Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Hi everyone and welcome back to A Millennial Mind. Today I am so excited to introduce you all to the founder of the Belindian Project. So hi Jonah, how are you? Hello Shivani, thank you for having me on the Millennial Mind today. I'm so excited for this. Thank you for having thank me. You. Thank you for coming on it for, I think, the third time. So we've had technical issues, question issues, loads of issues. So Jonah, I am so appreciative of you coming on again to talk to me about interracial relationships. So let's start with a bit of an introduction into the Blinding Project and yourself. Sure. So my name is Jonah Batumzi. I'm a multidisciplinary creative. Um, means I dabble in a lot of different things from writing to... Um, uh, exhibitions to a bit of painting, artwork, and things like that. Um, I am Ugandan American. Um, I was born in the States. My parents um, uh, fled Uganda in 75 um, because of Idi Amin and went to the States looking for a better life. Um, I grew up in the Midwest and spent about 20 years in the in the U.S. And I got to this point in time in my life where I wanted an adventure and I, I wanted to um, uh, just explore the world. And I took an opportunity to study abroad in Dublin, Ireland, and that's where I met my um, South Asian wife, um, Sveta. Um, so that's where um, the story kind of takes a, a different turn. And Sveta's born in Guntor. She's Telugu, um, spent, um, some spent some time in India, then obviously came over with her parents. Um, they're both medics, and uh, they were doing their training in the UK. So uh, she just happened to be visiting one of her friends who lived in my dormitory. And we met in my local pub, which was all very um, romantic. Amazing. So why did you found the Blinden Project? Sure. So um, we got married in 2007. Let's say it was probably about 10 years post that time. Uh, never mm -hmm. met another couple that looked like us or really interacted with mm -hmm. another um, couple like us. Um, I was taking a, a trip with the family to India and... I read an Al Jazeera article about um, African students getting beaten up by street mobs in, in New Delhi. Never really thought about anti-blackness mm -hmm. um, being a contributing factor to why there weren't um, that many of our relationships. But I came back mm -hmm. and um, decided to, to put a call to action together and asked other couples to, to share their story. And that was really the initial um, uh, like launch of the Blindian Project. Um, I was calling it the Blending Project at that time, but I think there were 10 couples from around the world that submitted their stories. And um, 
I just basically put it out in the world, really. And um, it resonated with people. And uh, I think it was a, a space that people hadn't seen before. So people were really, really Definitely. excited about it. Um, I, I, I neglected it at that point in time. I think oftentimes we create things or we do things and don't really know the impact that they can have on people or communities. So I went on and I went to, to writing in my next story, you know, um, and it wasn't until the beginning of 2020 that I thought, you know, I'm spreading myself too thin. Um, I think this, a lot of creatives go through this, this point in time when you're doing too many different things, you're trying to write a book, you're trying to do this, you're trying to do a bit of um, pushing yourself and your brand and you don't really make yeah. much progress because it's not focused. So um, I made an effort Definitely. at the beginning of 2020, let's focus on something. And uh, that was the Blending Project for me. Well, I love the project. I say too had that reaction when I saw your page that, wow, this is such an incredible platform you've created to share so many incredible stories. And I want to go into that. But one of the things you touched on was, you know, you don't really see a lot of interracial couples. And I think one of the reasons for that is because of the caste system, right? So a lot of people in India, I think it's 88% of people still have arranged marriages and 66% of people only meet people around the day or on the day of the day they get married. And the reason for having these arranged marriages is to basically allow you to marry within your caste. You know, for as long as I've known, marrying outside your caste, your community, your race or your religion is still seen to be a taboo. And I think that's one of the problems that roots back to the caste system and roots back to colonialism is that we've created this social hierarchy almost that people still adhere to. Now, what was your experience with this when you met your wife? Well, in regards to caste, I mean, there was no, mm -hmm. I mean, that wasn't even a topic of conversation that we, um, that we touched on really. Um, like I said, we, I, I didn't actually even really get into the whole topic of anti-blackness till about mm -hmm. um, 2017. You know, I had never um, dated a South Asian or Indian woman before. So um, mm -hmm. that was completely new to me. Um, I probably studied with less than five South Asian Indian people growing up and didn't really have any in-depth conversations with them. So um, just that in itself was a, was a, a big thing for me and just really opened my, my eyes and, and, um, perceptions up to a, to a much broader world but we no caste system we never really sat down and explicitly talked about it because it didn't it didn't equate to me and, and what I was bringing yeah. to the table you know um probably would have yeah, just been a, another conversation where I might have been like what you what huh um so yeah that did, I'm sure that we've did had a lot of those moments yeah yeah we've had some some fun interesting times but um no caste did not um really come into the equation um for us what about when you say anti-blackness? I want to explore that a little bit because I think people who are listening or watching this may not really understand that term and how sure. deep anti, it is. Sure, anti-blackness for me, um, it doesn't even need to be necessarily geared towards black people. Um, it's almost mm -hmm. this concept or this thought of the color black or being dark or being darker, which comes back to the whole colorism bit. Um, I think you kind yeah. of mentioned some of the key points earlier when you spoke. Um, I think about the caste system. I think about um, Brahmins and, and people at the top being able to stay inside and kind of maintain this um, fair skin where you have people on the, the lower side of the caste system who were meant to work outside, mm -hmm. which obviously meant that they, um, you know, their, their skin got tanned. Um, as melanated people, yeah. they, they got darker. And, and that's kind of where you start to see this divide of um, what does it mean to be um, light skinned, white, pure, um, and this other one to be 
um, you know, dark skin and just maybe kind of like a feeling of, of dirtiness and things like that. So um, caste system was there. Um, the British came, colonization came along. Um, they saw a system that they could, um, that was already kind of separating people and dividing people. So mm -hmm. they took it to a different level um, and therefore made that um, certain castes could only receive certain jobs. Um, and that just yeah. kind of built into this whole social hierarchy and this feeling that, you know, being light or white or closer to the people who are the oppressor um, is better. And the darker that you are kind of um, casts you, you to the shadows. Um, I'd say the last kind of things that we, we studied from there was um, uh, media, media portrayal. And when I say media, um, that could be Bollywood, right? So yes. that could be Bollywood's portrayal of um, what it means to have all of the, the, the role star, the, the leading female stars to be light skinned, you know, and not seeing darker skinned people. Um, and even from some of the stuff that I've said, seen, um, even just the way that it kind of plays out in some of the movies and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Like I know, for example, there's a show fashion and um, I think it was Priyanka Chopra. And she has this um, mm -hmm. moment in time when she is going off the rails and her going off the rails right. um, kind of culminates in her waking up next to a black man. So, um, we have mm -hmm. the media portrayal in Bollywood sense, but we also have the media portrayal from a from a U.S. kind of Western sense, where by you know black people often aren't portrayed in the um, you know they're not usually lauded for their achievements and the um, the great things that they've done is mostly um, around negative you know type mm -hmm. things, crime, criminal criminality, father fatherlessness, and things like that. And I think what you've touched on there is, you know, we'll see that from Bollywood. So people who are living in the UK or the US will see that from, you know, the things that they watch culturally. And then they'll go onto the news and they'll see all the other things as well. So those things in tandem really actually like, lead to that anti-blackness or almost push it, right? But some 100%. of the things you touched on there... Yeah, and some of the things you touched on there, like colorism is still rampant in the in India, right? And it's, it's still very, um, I think... Um, present in the Western world as well, right? So, you know, half of the skin products in India are based around skin lightening. You know, people are obsessed with it. And actually, I've noticed that. And it was actually when I went to India last year that I was in a salon and I was getting my nails done. And there was this guy who was with his son. And he said, oh, he's just having um, a skin lightening cream because he's been, been playing cricket. Now, it wasn't an, an unusual thing. You know, it was just a typical day for the parlor mm. to actually perform this treatment I've never seen anyone go through that actually because I've grown up, grown up in a family where typically our skin has been quite light so we've never really had those comments or you know pressures to put those skin lightening creams on and to be honest even within my family or extended friends and family I've never really seen anyone use it so I was quite shocked when I was in that beauty salon seeing this 12 year old boy being plastered and it was almost like a cream it was like a cream that yeah. it looked like shaving cream I thought he was being having his whole face shaved um, yeah it was well, actually a lightning cream yeah, I would like, so I, I can kind of, so I can see um, skin lightening cream. Like sometimes you can get, you could have bad acne, right? You have blemishes, mm -hmm. right? And maybe you're trying to even your skin tone out, um, which yeah. I personally don't really think that I have a, much of an issue with that. But in that case where the, the kid had just been simply playing outside, it's a tan, tans go away, right? Exactly. Tans, tans will go away in the, in, in the matter of like a week, a week and a half, two weeks. Mm -hmm. So um, the, the fact that it was so extreme to the sense of you've been out in the sun, now we need to get rid of it immediately, just just speaks volumes, really. Um, it just speaks volumes and into also, the issue. And also having a tan shouldn't be a bad thing. 
And that's, I think, what we're trying to identify. We're living in India and you've been fed this message that having darker skin is a negative thing. You know, you look at the billboard models, you look at the people who are in Bollywood, like you say, you know, there's this thing around Bollywood brown face as well. It's seen to be a negative thing to have darker skin. So when a child gets a tan, it's almost like, oh my gosh, we need to rush and get rid of it almost immediately, like you just said. But what I want to talk about as well, and you mentioned this last time, is Bollywood brown face. So we've talked around, you know, the negative impact it's having within the Indian community living in the US and the UK. What is Bollywood brown face? Yeah, so brown face, um, there was a CNN article earlier, uh, 2020. Brown face was essentially um, when you you need a character who is of darker skin. um, And instead Mm -hmm. of going out to the... um, multiple people that you could go out to who are brown skinned you say you know what let me go for someone who's lighter skin and i'll just have them apply um some darker um some darker skin tone to them right so um i don't want to do much work let me go with somebody who's tried and tested um and get them to darken their skin a bit and um it's just lazy it's just lazy it's saying that um uh, we don't want to diversify the people that we work with um give other people a chance and so we're going to go with um, this light-skinned person, and we'll just give them a tan. It'll be fine. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, um, brown face, similar to, to black face, um, just don't be lazy. Just go out and find the people. Exactly. Definitely. And another thing, you know, I want to touch on is the phrase BMW. I think that's coined around a lot within the Indian community, and I just want to explore a bit about what that means and why it's so toxic. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of people, South Asian, I mean, a lot of South Asian people already know. I mean, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm kind of inserted into this story later, um, but um, you know, it's very much this um, black, Muslim, white. Um, it is, mm-hmm. I think, you know, it, it's almost side by side with this skin colorism thing. Like, as as a young age, people may be used to hearing, um, don't go out in the sun, don't play too long out there because you're going to get darker skin. And I think this is another thing that's also told to people because they've told me, um, that, you know, people kind of being conditioned, um, that, um, you know, you shouldn't marry outside of the race, um, or the culture, but if you do, um, this is the order. Um, and black Muslim and white is kind of the reverse order because again, Mm -hmm. it's, it's back to the colonization and everything we talked about earlier white is kind of closer to what is good um if you can't marry a white Mm -hmm. person okay we might go to a muslim person and you know last but not least um don't let it be a a black person so um Mm -hmm. i think it's just um uh i I mean it's 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 pretty disgusting to to be fair um because Mm -hmm. as kids we don't really know what is right and what is wrong um nor have the voice um or um, the ability to speak up to our parents and, and sometimes here they are trying to basically program us um, to start thinking, you know, black is wrong. Black is bad. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong with black. Um, there's something wrong with actually even dating outside of your race, you know, or your culture. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. And I think the term often is used, like you say, in that reverse order. And for me, I think, you know, I've never seen a South Asian girl within my community with a black person, right? I've never seen an interracial relationship. 
um, between South Asian people and black people. Now, I have friends who are with people who are black, um, but actually I'm not exposed to it at all. You know, I've never seen anybody in my family. I've never seen anybody within my community. I've never seen anyone that I know closely. And so, you know, when I was, when I was um, exposed to my friend who had a black boyfriend, it's like, oh, that's, okay. that's different. Okay. And, you know, I think it's about- When was that? How old, how, old, how old were you when that, when that happened? I mean, when did that happen? Three, three years ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but it wasn't like, it's a bad thing that I don't think it's ever been within my family for people to tell me things are good and bad. You know, I have been told, you know, it's easier to marry within your culture. It's easy to marry within your community because you have the same values. You have the same ethics, you know, the same religions, you know, about the same gods. But my argument always is, is that half the people within my community have no idea. They ha they don't speak, my they don't speak the same language. They don't know anything about the festival. So if I'm going to have to teach it to someone within my community, then I can teach it to someone who's in another community, right? That's the way I look at it. So, um, however, it's a good point. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really, really good point. Um, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but um, uh, I had someone asking me that the other day as well too. And um, it was like, um, they say that I'm making, uh, my parents, as in they, are saying that mm -hmm. I'm making things harder for myself. And I said, harder yeah. by whose standards? By why? And, and harder for you. Exactly. Like, is it harder for you or is it harder for them? Because, um, Oftentimes when I think about this and I hear people making comments about it, it's like, um, how could how could she disrespect her family that way? And I'm thinking, well, disrespect them in what way? What has she done? Well, she's fallen for the, for a black guy or or a, a black woman. Like, okay, yeah, they're falling in love. What's what's the matter? Well, yeah, but the parents won't like it. Well, why won't they like it? Well, because and and the more you dig into it, the more you just ask yourself, like, well, actually, what is what is wrong? And and why, why should it be disrespectful for somebody to, to fall in love with somebody? What's wrong with that? You know, Jonah, the questions you're asking there and actually going into like, but why, but why, but why, you actually get to the crux of it and there's no reason. It's literally the way mm. we've been conditioned to think that we shouldn't marry someone who's outside of our race and our caste. And back to my point of, you know, when people say to me, oh, well, Siobhan, you're going to find it really difficult if you marry somebody who isn't Indian or isn't in my community half the people I've dated within my community were really different. And it was very difficult for me to explain half the things I did because they didn't understand, because they didn't speak Gujarati, they didn't go, they weren't religious, they didn't really understand the festivals, they didn't really celebrate them. So I was kind of having to teach them anyway. So for me, if I were to fall in love with somebody who was from a different race or a different culture, I wouldn't see it as a negative thing at all, right? So- 100%. That, that's, that's my opinion and I understand that I'm privileged enough to have the resources to learn about these things and you know I've come from a family that isn't so traditional like you have to marry somebody that's Indian I think my mum does say it to me sometimes like you do have to but then I'm always like well I don't and she's never like well I'll disown you it's always just like okay mm. you know so I think it's mm. a preference to them and I think the reason why it's a preference to people is because it's all that they know Right. So, exactly. you know, the reason why people are more comfortable, perhaps, with people marrying somebody who's white is because they see it a lot more. They're aware of it a lot more. You know, we see a lot more people who are married to people who are white or Muslim. And that's why I think your platform is so incredible, because you're highlighting that there are people who are married who are South Asian and black. And so you only become you only start to be comfortable with things once you start to see them. And because your platform does that, I think it allows people to not feel like it's a strange thing or a different thing. We need to start making it more normalized to create interracial relationships. Sure. Yeah. Well, one of the, one of our missions is to normalize, um, you know, black and South Asian relationships. So um, you, you've hit it on the head right there. Um, I, um, 
one thing that I found really interesting throughout this journey is that, um, you know, we had these workshops that we were um, providing to people. And one of the workshops was about um, introducing your partner to your parents. And um, I noticed like mm -hmm. there were several um, Indian people from India who were logging onto these calls um, and actually talking about their experiences. And they weren't in blending relationships. They, they were not in blending mm -hmm. relationships. They were in intercaste or interfaith relationships. And there was no outlet yeah. for them to actually be able to voice what was going on um, and, and get feedback on it. And it connected with our movement and mm -hmm. what we were doing, you know, and that's why it resonated with them. So um, I just thought that was really, really beautiful and just really powerful to say, um, look, this isn't just for black and South Asian people. You don't have to actually be in a blending yes. relationship. Um, you could just be wanting to um, know more about the experience. You may want to know more about, you know, interracial relationships. Um, you may just want to educate yourself, right? Um, and, you know, it's for yeah. everybody. Obviously, we are creating it for our communities, but um, at the same point in time, we're not excluding anybody from being able to, to learn from the, the beautiful messages. I love that. And I think, you know, some people listening or watching this may say, you know, well, how common is it at the moment? You know, people are, we're living in the 21st century. People aren't, well, the statistic I said was in India that 88% of people were forced to have, not forced, but 88% of people were in arranged marriages. But, you know, in the Western world, how common is it? Are people really going through these struggles of, you know, managing to have interracial relationships? I just want to know from your perspective, and you can share some of the stories or some of the things that people are struggling with still in this day and age, because it is it shouldn't be a problem that people are going through, right? And I think some people think it isn't. So some people will be thinking, well, I don't know how relevant this topic is for today's society when we're allowed and we have so much freedom to do what we want. Yeah, so um, just a couple of things I'll mention. So I have um, people who are married to white, white because I think everyone will agree, um, it's usually easier to marry the white male or the female, right? If you're if you're Daisy, right? Mm -hmm. If you're South Asian, um, then for versus sure. another part. And that comes back to the whole BMW thing. So I've had people who are in, relationships with white people saying that um, they wish a platform like mine existed for them. Mm -hmm. And um, when I think about that, um, I think like, what are you talking about? But at the same point in time, the fact that they're actually even saying it's mm -hmm. difficult for them to marry white people um, lets me know that there is somewhat of an issue there. You know, um, mm -hmm. people seem to think sometimes that, oh, you're in the West um, everybody's progressive and liberal in these open attitudes. Um, I mean, as of last year, 2020, there were two stories that really impacted me about um, uh, women who, um, uh, one of them was sent back to India to basically um, stop mm -hmm. her relationship. You know, the family intimidated her, they manipulated her, and they eventually coerced her to, um, to get on a one-way trip to India, right? To get her away for her partner. And I don't know if many people mm -hmm. um, would envisage that as something happening in the West. Um, six months prior to that, there was a um, girl who was dating a, a black man and um, she ran away. She ran away from the house and the family. Mm -hmm. She had no other hope and that was her last um, option that she had. Um, a, a third party mm -hmm. organization got involved and um, a couple days later, um, she turns up at, at home. So. Um, you know, kind of no statement about the, the boyfriend or anything like that. But just the fact that people are having to go through this type of trauma um, at young ages, you know, 23, 25, yeah. um, even younger than that, getting disowned, getting thrown out of the house, um, getting told they're no longer, you know, part of the community and just receiving abusive messages. Um, 
you know, it's a lot. It's a lot for something um, as natural as, as just falling in love with somebody who's different than you. I think one of the things you do on the Blinden Project is you have a lot of these Instagram lives. And I remember tuning into Instagram live. I think it's the same example the one where that girl was shipped off to India and she was manipulated to think that her cousin had cancer or something. And then so he was like, just come back to India and help me. And, you know, she went under the, the pretense that she was going to be back in a couple of months and then her phone just cut off. Right. And then they couldn't get in touch with her. And she was sending messages, but they knew that they weren't her because she was just saying, I'm fine, dot or leave me alone. Don't talk to me. And the boyfriend who was here was actually really worried and really distraught. And, you know, stories like that, they broke my heart because I just think that why are we still facing this stigma and these taboos of having interracial relationships within the 21st century, right? It's ridiculous. We should not be having conversations to break off or run away or not be part of our family just because we fall in love with someone who has a diff different skin color than us, right? And I think the Black Lives Matter movement last year really help people to question the bias against dark skin. You know, Fair and Lovely, I think, changed their name yeah. to... Um, Low and Lovely or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, yeah, something something else. But, you know, the product is still there. The, the concept, the why behind the product is still there. The name may have changed, but the why is still there. But I think people are now speaking out a bit more um, and questioning for, or, you know, just creating, unbreaking this whole anti-blackness and breaking that down as to why we have these stereotypes and stigmas. What are some of the things we can do in the Asian community to be better allies? And what are some of the things you're doing with the Belindian Project at the moment? Sure. Um, so better allies. I think it's important to know being an ally um, happens differently for, mm -hmm. for everybody, right? Um, you may not um, jump in headfirst and all of a sudden you're at protests and things like that. You don't need to do that. Um, being an ally can be as simple as um, showing a support for, you know, your immediate yeah. brother or sister or even a relative who you may know who's in, in one of those relationships. Um, one thing you've mentioned is, um, I think before our platform, there was, um, it, it's been a very isolating experience when you don't have a community and you don't have people who can relate to what you're mm -hmm. actually going through. So one thing a lot of people say is, um, you know, I wish this platform existed five years ago, 10 years ago. And it's because you're able to see other people and other couples who look like you, who have been successful and who are just kind of living their best lives. And it, and it gives you hope that that's something that you can have as well, too. So um, back to your question about being a good ally. So I think ally comes um, in, in a lot of different shapes. Um, it could be just being supportive for your friend. It could be um, donating money. It could be um, uh, attending some protests, mm -hmm. marches. Um, it could actually even be um, uplifting a yeah. person of color, right? You could actually work in your job and you could be a manager and you could say, you know what, there is a person of color over there and I'm actually going to uplift mm -hmm. them. I'm going to give them the opportunity to pick yeah. up a different skill, right? Because that is uplifting them. Um, so there, there are many different ways that you can do it. It's not all about holding a placard at a, at a, at a march and, and being frontline. There are a lot of ways you can do it without um, uh, making yourself super uncomfortable. I don't, I don't think that example I provided around the workplace and, and helping to promote somebody is, um, is uh, out of the mm -hmm. question. Um, that's it, really. Just just being supportive of it for the for the right reason and for the genuine reason. Um, instead of, I think what we're seeing now as well too um, is um, we're seeing a lot of kind of performative um, allyship, which is um, 
you know, people, oh, they, they have the black square on their IG page um, and then they're done, right? No that's that's all the activism yeah, actually means for them. Yeah, yeah. Or, or you have some people that are, um, who might say, um, uh, we supported Black Lives Matter. Um, where's your support for the farmers mm -hmm. movement? You know, thinking that um, you support somebody else when they've supported you. And now it's kind of a tit for tat. And hey, I did that for you. Now mm -hmm. you do this for us, right? Um, so there are a lot of things to think mm -hmm. about with it. Um, but there are a lot of also ways that you can, can positively um, be involved with it. Um, what we are doing um, as a Blindian project, we one of our main things is creating spaces, um, creating spaces to have difficult conversations, creating spaces for us to fall in love with one another, creating spaces to learn from one another. Um, and it's usually centered around things where we have commonalities. So it could be around um, literature. So it could be a book club. It could be a writing group. It could be around music. It could be around food, things that um, are present in both of our communities and we can um, kind of relate to, um, they resonate with us. Um, the last thing I mentioned is um, we have a, a book coming out at the end of March. It's called mm -hmm. When We See Ourselves. So it's got 10, I call them flavors of kind of mm -hmm. Lindian love stories. So you'll have a story in there about anti-blackness. You'll have a LGBTQ plus mm -hmm. story. You'll have a, um, a story about Islamophobia. And um, so it's a book with artwork, but it's also like mm -hmm. a workbook as well too. So it is asking you to, to interact with it and reflect on what you just read, Amazing. right? So it could be um, a question, could be um, list three biases that you have about Islam, mm -hmm. right? But, uh, it comes out end of March, really, really excited about it. Um, we'll too. have a lot of stuff um, on our platform and, and conversations and I'm um, just, just looking uh, forward to, to releasing that. Really, the stories really have been something that. that a lot of people Amazing. have. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. And really hard work, well done. And one of the things I actually thought about while you were talking that you mentioned was, you know, the thing that I see on your platform is that you see that blending couples can be happy and it's a platform for joy and to share good stories, right? And I think something that we're told from a young age is that, you know, if you marry someone outside of your race or your caste, you're not going to be happy, right? You'll never be truly happy because you'll have so many arguments with your kids about which religion to follow and um, what, what language to speak and what food to eat and all, all of these things, which I think are ridiculous, but, you know, it's something that people are told a lot. And so I love that you share that on your platform, because like I said before, there's a lot of people when within your race or your culture who will have those difficulties with even then, right? So typically what somebody always says to me is that, yeah, but you know, you're vegetarian and a lot of people who aren't Indian won't be vegetarian. And I'm like, a lot of people who are Indian aren't vegetarian. So, you know, categorizing these things based on race and culture are just ridiculous for me and stereotyping those things just prove to be, have no value. But before we, how would you like to change the Indian expectation on interracial relationships? I've seen so much, I've seen so much and just heard so much pain, um, trauma, um, agony, anxiousness. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've even had stories from people who say um, 15 years ago, I had this relationship and here I am at 40. Um, and obviously they're still thinking about the person because they're writing about it, right? So um, I just want people to be free. I just want people to be free to love who they want to love. Um, again, as I said it before, um, this is this is something natural that happens. Sometimes you can't stop it. You may just see somebody or randomly run into someone at the bus stop, and um, you know a spark a spark flies, and naturally, you know, organically, you're, you're in love. Um, and I just want people to be free. Um, and 
it's outside of 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 just love even it's to um you know things that i see mm -hmm. women uh, especially in the south asian community just trying to break out of a shell really um be able to be independent be able to yeah. um be their own person be able to be able to date before marriage you know um just do some yes. of these things that yes. i feel um uh should be normal um I mean, it could be wrong for me to say that, but um, from what I see, even people um, in India like want to be dating or they are dating, you know, prior to marriage. Um, people are just moving with the times. And I think we just mm -hmm. need to um, move with the times, be flexible with the times. And um, that I, I just want people to be free, really. I love that. And I just love your page. And I'm so excited for the book. And I just want to thank you so much for doing this podcast with me. I'm so honoured to have you as a guest on my show. And I can't wait to see what the project holds for you in the future. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. Thank you for um, uh, letting us share our story okay. on your platform and speak with your community. And I hope that there I hope there are people in your community that um, are, you know, very thankful for you um, talking about this and bringing this subject up and um, just helping them get through some of the issues they may be facing. I hope so soon. And thank you again, Jonah. See you soon. Thanks. Cool.